11 minutes before the hour, you're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, February 11, 2021. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. Days after an Alaska legislator from Eagle River was criticized for spreading misinformation about the coronavirus vaccine, a former Sitka Assembly member was cut off at a meeting while commenting on vaccine safety. Dr. Richard Ween is a former Sitka Assembly member who also sits on the state medical board. When the Sitka Assembly met on Tuesday, during public comment on non-agenda items, Ween shared a recent figure about vaccine deaths. The CDC just recently um, uh, published their, um, their vaccination uh, problems, um, and there have been 501 deaths um, related to the vaccine so far, uh, with the average age of being uh, 77. Assemblymember Rebecca Hemshute cut off Ween's comment. Um, I certainly have spoke to... Mr. Mayor? Yes. If I doubt the veracity of comments being made, do I bring that up or do we just continue? I I don't know that we have a mechanism to do that, unfortunately. I'm sorry, what was the question? Ween ended his comments there. KCAW reached out to the state's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink, to fact-check the statement. Last week, she confirmed at a state Senate hearing that no vaccine-caused deaths had been reported in the United States or in Alaska. That is still the case as of today. I know that the CDC is doing ongoing investigation, watching these numbers to see what's happening in comparison uh, to the baseline rate. Um, But there are no cases to date uh, nationally or the state of death associated with the vaccine. The CDC does track the number of patients who receive the vaccine and later die. Zink says healthcare providers are required to report every reaction, complication, or death to the federal government through the VAERS database, even if providers don't think the deaths are related to the vaccine. So it's a completely unverified database. It's just a way to be able to provide input to the CDC and the FDA on what's happening after vaccines are out. It's one of a series of ways that the CDC and the FDA monitor vaccines after they have been out. So, for example, uh, in the data that we see from these vaccines, like there was a person who was struck by lightning. It's reported because it was something that happened to a person after they got vaccinated. Zink says that the CDC monitors that and other tools to determine if the death rate is higher than it should be among vaccinated people. And they often investigate individual cases that are reported. And while people who have received the vaccine have also died, and those numbers are collected in the VAERS system, so far the CDC has not reported that any of those deaths were caused by the vaccine. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. In other business, the Sitka Assembly unanimously approved the list of legislative priorities for fiscal year 2022, approved $30,000 in funding for potential sale expenses associated with the sale of the Sitka Community Hospital. The group voted 6-1 to with member Valerie Nelson opposed and unanimously approved funding for repairs to the bulk water line at Gary Paxton Industrial Park and additional funding for a boom truck for the electric department. Local residents gathered outside Petersburg's municipal building Monday to seek an end to the borough's mandate for face coverings. Inside, Petersburg's borough assembly listened to their testimony, but ultimately did not vote on removing that health measure. KFSK's Joe Vicknicki reports. The group of 15 adults and children gathered outside as the assembly was meeting. They were holding an American flag and flags saying, don't tread on me. Amanda Omer was tuning into the meeting and waiting for her chance to testify against the mandate. I think a lot of us know that the masks have a time and a place in order to keep people safe, but having a citywide mask mandate um, is, is just not putting the trust in the people to 
uh, weigh their own risks and their concerns for their families and themselves. And I think that everybody should have the right to do that and to make a choice as to what they need to do to protect themselves and the people they love. Petersburg's had a health mandate in place since mid-November, requiring face coverings inside public buildings and in workplaces with others. It's meant to limit the spread of COVID-19. However, there are wide exemptions for health reasons and no enforcement. There's been one warning given out. Police Chief Jim Kerr told the Assembly his officers will be focusing on education rather than enforcement. If it's just us walking by someone, I mean, who am I to assume that they don't have the medical condition? And I'm not going to do, I'm not going to step in on that because if they're not wearing a mask, I assume it's for the proper reasons. But if we get a reported incident, then we'll go up to them, talk with them. And if they say they have a medical condition, then of course we're done with that. And if they do, if they aren't wearing it for uh, whatever reason and they don't have an exemption for it, then we'll just talk to them about Uh, why they should wear it and just educate them. A number of people testifying wanted the borough to end the health mandate. Here's Donna Marsh. Back in March, we were told the shutdowns and gatherings were to just flatten the curve a couple of weeks, we were told, so the hospitals wouldn't be overrun and first responders not overwhelmed. Here we are many months later with restrictions still ongoing. Uh, and the feared plague gratefully did not and has not materialized. Well, other local residents asked the Assembly to continue with the health measure. Here's Nancy Berg. It's a matter of public health, not personal health. And I know that the leaders of our town will consider the public health over private health concerns when it comes to masking. Let's not take a step backwards now. The borough has received many letters from the local populace, both for and against the face covering requirements and other health measures. And the assembly only narrowly passed the face covering mandate back in November. Petersburg Medical Center physicians supported along with the borough's emergency response team for the pandemic. Assembly member Taylor Norheim asked for a vote on removing it, but his motion received no second. That means it doesn't come up for a vote or discussion. Assembly did vote to send a letter in support of legislation that would extend the state's emergency disaster declaration for the pandemic. Petersburg Medical Center CEO Phil Hofstetter told the Assembly about the importance of the bill called Senate Bill 56. SB 56 contains key provisions that provide flexibilities that allow PMC to do the things it needs to do for COVID, and that includes setting up a respiratory clinic, um, things related to our occupational and professional licensure, telemedicine and telehealth, vaccinations, any response allocated to COVID, resources from the state, such as the monoclonic antibody, PPE, Cepheid rapid tests, and vaccines all come as a result of the emergency declaration. That bill has hearings scheduled this week in Senate committees, while the House has yet to organize or hear bills. The legislation would extend the state's emergency declaration due to expire February 15th until the end of September. Otherwise, Governor Dunleavy could issue another one-month declaration, as he's done several times already. With additional reporting from Angela Denning in Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. Relief programs are starting to pop up, funded by the bill Congress passed at the end of the year, which included at least $200 million for rent relief for Alaskans. It's specifically for lower-income households financially impacted by COVID-19. The bucket of federal cash is so big, state housing officials think there's enough to pay rent for everyone eligible for a year. KTOO's Jeremy Shea reports. 
Alexis Ross Miller has been unemployed throughout the pandemic. I'm waiting with bated breath and fingers crossed for the third stimulus check of hopefully 1400 mm-hmm. and Biden was talking about raising the pandemic unemployment or just in general. So, you know, it all helps. She's been getting by mostly on unemployment assistance, but she's behind on her rent for a two-bedroom condo in Juneau. Here she is just after learning about a new rental assistance program that could wipe out her back rent and help her for months going forward. I think this is the miracle I have been praying for. This relief program is a big deal for Miller and thousands of other Alaskans. It really is, because when we were administering our CARES Act uh, program last year, we were able to provide two months of assistance to people that had lost their jobs as a result of the pandemic. Brian Butcher is the executive director of the Alaska Housing Finance Corporation. The state-owned entity is going to help put out 20 times more money for rent relief now than it got for housing grants in Congress's original pandemic relief bill. And what we really saw was that many people had needs far beyond a couple of months, six months, eight months. You know, they'd lost their job in March and hadn't uh, been able to get the job back. Butcher says this program will help the overall economy recover, too, once the pandemic is behind us. Instead of having this huge burden of many, many months of rent owed uh, that they have have to be dealing with. The details of the rent relief program are still being worked out, but the broad strokes are clear. Renters can get up to 15 months of assistance with their housing and utility bills. It's good for back rent and overdue utility bills since March and going forward. There's an income cutoff that varies depending on where you live. To be eligible in Anchorage, for example, a household, regardless of how many people are in it, cannot earn more than $77,840 a year. And applicants must be able to show they were financially impacted by COVID-19. The application period will open at 8 a.m. February 16th. An eligibility checker is live now at alaskahousingrelief.org. And there's even more money for similar rent relief programs on its way to tribes and tribally designated housing entities. The ones in Alaska are collectively eligible for up to $115 million. Colleen Dushkin is the executive director of the Association of Alaska Housing Authorities, which works with the regional housing authorities that serve Alaska tribes. For the renting public, she says it shouldn't matter much which pot of money their relief ultimately comes from. Whatever happens, everybody's going to be served. And the pots of money is figured out in the back end. The public needs to know that if you need help, you can get help. She says the timeline for tribal entities standing up their rental relief programs with this money will vary. Down the road, both Butcher and Dushkin say they're looking to Congress and the new Biden administration for housing relief to help a broader swath of Alaskans, including homeowners. In Juneau, I'm Jeremy Shea. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.